Hi everyone, my name is Joseph and welcome to Digimon Seekers Chapter 4, Part 11, Sons of Chaos, Seekers. So the second to last uh, official release before the epilogue, uh, really excited. Let's get to it with the first quote. Here I am, Professor, finally powerful enough to join your elite club, Eiji said as funeral Logomon screwed up to Dorogoromon. Eiji's bond, uh, bond with Logomon deepened. Their complete and total allegiance to one another, uh, allowing them to unlock Logomon's mega form. The demon wolf, the hellhound, prophesied to devour the god of gods, was finally free. They could not be slain, only contained. It was all the gods could do to contain the, uh, to contain the beast with Glyphenir, the enchanted dragon restraints. Those were the, uh, the chains that uh, was mentioned, uh, not, I think the previous part, but the one before that, so part uh, 9. Slow and steady wins the race. Is that it? Professor Rigidzi said with delight. I have nothing but admiration for you two. There are many paths to mega level, but I never expected your desire to save Leon and Postman alone to be the la uh, to be the last thing. Excuse me, uh, to save Leon and Postman alone to be the thing that did it. Ah, to be so young. Let me guess, your friends are just that important to you, aren't yours? E.G. shot back. It was time to take the fight to Professor Rujinji. After a certain age, it can be healthier to protect yourself from harmful relationships with a bit of distance. You learn to keep those who are useful to you close while discarding those for whom you have no need. Hey, you know, it actually makes sense. Do you mean that? I sure do, which is why I'm going to discard you right here and now, Ruzenji. E.G. said Ruzenli, excuse me, I can't pronounce words sometimes. The professor took a moment to think. You win that round, one point for you. So it's actually kind of funny because what the professor states, uh, I actually kind of agree, but just the first part, not that second part. Uh, let me go ahead and find it. Uh, it. It can be healthier to protect yourself from harmful relationships with a bit of distance. Because unfortunately, as one gets older, it can't be true that some are quote-unquote friends with you just because of what they could get out of you. Right? That's why it's not uncommon when one gets older that they have a small, they, they had a bigger uh, group of friends at the start. I was going to say at the start of their lives, but the, uh, at the end of their high school, for example, uh, but by the time that they're 25, 30, 35, 40, and so forth, and they started with a pool of seven friends, it's not uncommon that that gets reduced to two to three, uh, maybe even just one to two friends. It is not because one is becoming, well, I would hope so, but it's not because one is becoming colder or uh, more distant. It's just that one recognizes that a real relationship is a two-way street. Thus, that's why one becomes more... Uh, uh, not distant, but becomes more uh, choosy. <laughs> I know that's not a word, but becomes more uh, agentful with what kind of relationships that they're wanting to withhold and continue to uh, have. Um, the part, of course, that I don't agree with is the part after that sentence. You learn to keep those who are useful to you close while discard discarding those for whom you have no need. <laughs> so I would argue that Rizinji is definitely those individuals who I just stated. They're only friends with you, quote-unquote friends, because of what they could get out of you, right? So it's kind of funny. <laughs> so I guess it's two sides of the same coin, right? The side where one keeps in mind the community, uh, uh, while the other side keeps in mind just the self and the community. So keeping the self separate from the community. Um, yeah, so I just found that line to be funny. What I also like about that line as well is how uh, EG is able to turn the uh, professor's logic against him, his rationale. 
And that's why he says at the end, uh, one point for you. <laughs> and I think he even says that he has to think about it, right? The, the professor took a moment to think. <laughs> I sure do, which is why I'm going to discard you right here and now, Reason G. The professor took a moment to think. So just that he was probably thinking to himself, oh, wow. He just took what I said and used that against me. And I'm sure it didn't go unnoticed to him as well. Uh, that I think this might be the first time that E.G. is calling the professor without his title. It's just, just his name, his last name. I think he usually calls him by the professor Ruzenji or professor, not just Ruzenji. So keeping that element in mind is probably making the professor think about what just uh, occurred. Right? You win that round. One point for you. And then let me see. Let me go back to the beginning of the quote. Uh, what I also like about this quote is focusing so much about on the professor is the the beginning portion as well, reminding the reader that the only reason why E.G. and Logomon were able to go to their mega form, the federal Logomon state uh, or form, I don't like to say the same word twice, so I'll stick with state, is because uh, of the relationship. They made the choice to care not just about one another, but also to care about the people that they interact with. Um, let me see. Their complete and total allegiance to one another, allowing them to unlock Logomon's mega form. I really do appreciate that line. Moving forward, this is where the Tyrannomon charged. This is where the Tyrannomon charged the getting her, uh, Yolene, and we really wanted safety deposited the two of them, and it would have to do. Another Tyrannomon carefully lowered Postmon, the Black Agumon, to the ground nearby. Even in the midst of battle, Eiji took the time to figure out how to get everyone else to safety using the Digimon in his dock. The third and final Tyrannomon limped into view, favoring uh, their wounded shoulder and carrying something on their back. Koski! Yolin said as he came into view from behind the Tyrannomon. He hopped down to the ground, gave the Tyrannomon a pat, and staggered past Yolin towards the Black Agumon. Forgive me, Koski said weakly as he passed by. I see now. You weren't warning me about interfering with the source domain, but with Professor Ruzenji. What's that in your hand? Yolin asked, her eyes drawn to Koski's closed fist. I'm here to put an end to it. I'm here to put an end to it all, Saya. I'll, uh, excuse me. I'm here to put an end to it all, Saya. At least I'll be the one to do it, he said, reaching the syringe out toward the Black Agumon. The Digimon stared right back at him. I can't hear Dorogomon or Dorogomon's voice anymore. The professor, he... He's taken everything from me. If only I could have brought you back. He lost the game. He lost in the game of life. He was without hope. So before I start discussing this quote specifically, there was an element that I forgot to mention in the past video. A, a minor element, but I, I have an opportunity to discuss it right here. I love how in the last part, uh, after the Tyrannomon got injured, uh, E.G., there's a small line where E.G. states that he believes it was either Tyrannomon number 3, I believe that he states, either 2 or number 3. Just the fact that E.G. is doing his best to differentiate between the three Tyrannomon that he has, I thought that was really cool. In the previous part, I thought he was just working with one Tyrannomon. It wasn't until I read this that I realized, oh, he's working with all three of them. So in the previous part, uh, when I thought when I, when I had a mindset that he was working with just with one, when he was working just with one Tyrannomon, I thought it was really cool that uh, not only was he specifying which one that uh, got injured, but that to me felt like oh maybe that's like the most athletic, agile, fastest whatever uh, Tyrannomon, hence why he was using that one specific. But now it makes a lot of sense um, that he'll be using all three, not just one of them, to make things much more efficient and quickly. Uh, uh, so yeah, so when I read this part and I realized that all three Tyrannomon were used, um, I just think that's really cool. Again, emphasizing the whole community aspect. And even if my mindset was corrected, to reiterate in the previous part, I thought Eiji was only working with one Tyrannomon, but as it turns out, he's working with all three. 
Again, I think the fact that he tried to specify which Tarotamon was trying to take Koski out still uh, emphasizes how how EG uh, looks at these Tarotamon as individuals rather than just tools or items to be used. Anyways, we're going to this quote specifically now. Um, I like how Yolene's taking, she's starting to notice that EG's not as if, well, uh, of a goofball as he seems superficially, but I guess she never really thought that about, about him, right? I feel like that's mostly been more a uh, Satsuki thing than a uh, Yolene thing. Uh, but even in the midst of battle, EG took the time to figure out how to get everyone else's safety using the Digimon and his dog. As I already stated, I like that as well, just because again, it emphasizes uh, beyond from EG being a goofball because it shows that he knows how to strategize there's a fact that he really takes into account the community. Uh, EG could have just as easily abandoned uh, Yolina especially, right? Because she's part of the Digipolice. But no, he makes a choice to work with her and her partner Digimon. Uh, and to rescue her and Koski, not just Koski. Even though logically, again, EG could just as easily have gone, I'll just go after Koski because I'm part of the Sons of Chaos. He's Tartarus, the leader of the Sons of Chaos. And screw you, uh, Yolene, I'm going to go ahead and leave you behind. But EG does not do that, right? Again, that says a lot about him as an individual. Also says a lot about him that, that he cared about the Tarotamon. And then also like Okoski, he, if, um, I really, I probably will be rereading this story. Not anytime soon, um, but in the future. Uh, as I stated in the last video, I want to uh, look for parts uh, where maybe hopefully there is textual evidence to suggest that the professor will be coming turncoat that he will be the antagonist and also for this port uh this portion as well let me find it i see now you weren't warning me about interfering with the source domain but with professor ruzenji i want to see if the diction uh does imply that and i think that'd be really cool if it does um but i just like how this also emphasizes that koski he's not a stubborn individual uh he was trying to rescue saya because he believes she was alive but as we find out that's not necessarily the case right uh, but yet, despite that, Koski is able to grow and uh, reflect upon what he's learned. I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but just the fact that he's able to apologize to Yolene in the first place after he had that battle with her three parts ago, and then his little before the realization, the realization, re realization that he was going to be betrayed by the professor, the way that he was speaking and uh, interacting with Yolene uh, before that reveal. Um, but yeah. Let me make sure that's... Er oh, and also, I think it's pretty pretty sad. Uh, I can't hear Dorogoromon or Doromon's voice anymore. The professor, he's taken everything from me. If only I could have brought you back. He lost in the game of life. He was without hope. So, uh, again, I like this that part because it emphasizes that Koski is still thinking about Doromon. But also, at the same time, it does remind the reader that his relationship with Doromon, at least right now, currently, it's splintered. It's, uh, it's not whole. Uh, to the professor. So moving forward, uh, he decided a long time ago that he would live in the digital world and be a full-time codecracker. I think that was the moment he opened the door. Not just to Logomon's ultimate form, but the mega form as well. All he needed after that was a reason to walk through it, Koski mused. Uh, Koski and Yolene had every reason to hope. Oji had, uh, uh, sorry, Koski and Yolene had every reason to hope Iji had, it, had what it took to win. Koski, meanwhile, had one last job to do. His story had come to the worst possible conclusion, but at least he would give his beloved Saya a measure of peace. You were like that once, Yolene said, moving closer to Koski. Yeah, perhaps I was, Koski said quietly. All his life, he'd fought through the loss and confusion in the hopes that he'd get her back. Everything he did had been for her. 
We're all like that once. Now we just have to do what we can. It's okay. I needed to hear that. Thank you, Koski said, his breath ragged. He sighed heavily and took up the syringe but more. So I like this quote because it's bittersweet. I feel like this is the uh, the older generation looking at the next generation. So Yolene and Koski looking at uh, uh, EG and realizing that what EG is doing uh, is not something that's uh, uh, uncommon, something that's uh, they never encountered. It's actually a mindset and attitude uh, that they all had. Saya, Koski, and Yolene that they had in the past. And more than likely, probably the professor as well. He probably had that energy and mindset uh, he still does have a lot of energy, but obviously the professor's energy is much more selfish, much more self-centered, uh, no longer community-focused. And I like how how um, Yolene is able to pinpoint how it's through it's due to EG's determination that he's able to have evolved uh, Shinkan with Logomon to begin with. That if EG wasn't as determined, if he wasn't as uh, gung-ho about his... Uh, choices and his agency then he wouldn't be where he's at if he just allowed himself to not do what he wanted to do if he just followed what other people wanted him to do uh, he wouldn't have unlocked or uh, revealed his full capacity and I, I would argue he's not at his uh, top best form yet that he could go further right <laughs> this is not my final form <laughs> I'm joking <laughs> but again what I'm trying to to reiterate uh, that EG was only able to grow as an individual because he made his own choices and that uh, he still has a further capacity to continue growing. This is not his uh, final form, his peak form. He still has more to go if he so chooses. If he so chooses to continue growing as an individual. Um, all he needed. So he decided a long time ago that he would live in the digital world and be a full-time co-cracker. I think that was the moment he opened the door. Uh, not just to Logomont's ultimate form, but the mega form as well. All he needed after that was a reason to walk through it. So again, just like how that emphasizes, it's all through EG's uh, agency and his own capacity. And then also what I like about this is that it, uh, Koski seems like the audience, it seems like the audience know what Koski is going to do. But uh, up to this point, I feel like the, uh, the writers is doing a really good job of showing how Koski is waking up as one were cause in the previous part I was saying how Koski's totally withdrawing into himself. He's definitely a star that's dying and about to self-combust and everything like that, right? But I'm happy to see he may not be getting up and having as much energy as I was hoping he would, but he's definitely not no longer just giving up as well. He's taking into account what he's learned and he's choosing to move forward from there. I do believe he is moving forward. He's no longer stagnant uh, and he's not going backwards too. And I feel like the audience think they know what Koski is going to go uh, continue forward to. Uh, but we find out that that's not necessarily the case, right? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but we'll read that shortly. And then again, just like in the same way I like and appreciate how Koski is not a stubborn individual. The whole, I needed to hear that. Thank you, uh, Koski said. Uh, again, really shows for me how Koski was just, well, as he stated, he, uh, he, he may not be stubborn in the sense of, uh, uh, the grand scheme of things, but he was stubborn in the sense that he really wanted to rescue Saya. I would argue that's a different kind of stubbornness, uh, one that's not as negative than just being stubborn and ignoring, putting your head down in the sand, ignoring all other perspectives, and only focusing on your own perspective. Uh, I say that because obviously, uh, if Koski was truly stubborn, uh, he wouldn't have been able to form the Sons of Chaos. He wouldn't have been able to form this little echelon of upper division, an upper division of upper leadership with Marvin and the other leaders of the Sons of Chaos 
who all work together. Then we mustn't forget that the Sons of Chaos are known as having no members go DMIA. Uh, so if anything, if he was stubborn, his stubbornness to save Saya is also what led him to creating this group and uh, watching over this group as well. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, if he is stubborn, he's more stubborn in the sense of focusing on one go rather than just his whole characterization, his whole demeanor. Um, yeah, and then give me a quick second. His story had come to the worst possible conclusion, but at least he could give his beloved Saya a measure of peace. Uh, you were like that once, Yolene said, moving closer to Koski. Yeah, perhaps I was. We're all like that once. Now we just have to do what we can. It's okay. I just wanted to read that part again because uh, I just think it's really bittersweet. I do like Koski as an individual and Yolene too. And I, um, it would be cool. Maybe in the future we'll get like a side story uh, continuing with the adventures of Yolene and Koski. Or even maybe in the past, the lead up to uh, the creation of Operation Tartarus before it became a monkey or before it became the name for uh, Koski. Postmon, Eiji cried out with joy. Koski chose to revive Eiji and Logomon's friend. You must be mistaking me for someone else, Postmon said as he floated up to Finro Logomon's nose. Leon, your voice, Eiji said. It was, like Le it was like Leon and Postmon were speaking at the same time. The voices overlaid on one another. Oh, Logomon, it is you. Hey, Eiji. The medicine produced a result consistent with its trials on Digimon and the results produced by MI simulations. It revived the DMI patient and yet something was different. The shot revived Leon's consciousness inside Postmon's Digicore, and now his ego, uh, and now his ego is trying to restore his sense of self. He's actively trying to separate from Postmon. Fascinating, Rujinji said, turning his attention away from the fight. How could he pass up the chance to reserve real-time data about the first proper administration of his treatment to a DMIA patient? Er, are you Leon or Postmon? E.G. asked carefully. Both. It's hard to explain. Leon was still mind-linked, but couldn't, uh, but couldn't himself tell. Or one of them ended and the other began. They communicated as one entity. So, of course, we find out, uh, as I was saying, the reader believes they know what Koski is going to do. But then when we get to this part, uh, the readers find out, the audience discover that Koski chose to revive uh, uh, Postmon and uh, Leon rather than the Black Agumon. And I think that's really cool. I don't think it's as unexpected as most of us uh, were expecting. Right? I think most of us were probably thinking he was going to do that. But just the fact that we do get confirmation that he does indeed do it. And the way that the story presents it too. I love how, uh, I think that's great showing and not telling. Koski could have just as easily said, uh, uh, it could have a small line saying, Koski looked past the Black Agumon and looked at the Postmon instead. Or <laughs> make it more obvious, right? Uh, so I, I really appreciate that kind of showing versus telling. Um, and again, I think it emphasizes how Koski, he's a, gr he's a good individual. He's a good human being. It's just that he, he became a quote-unquote terrorist. A cyber terrorist because of the whole situation with Saya. Uh, and then, of course, the professor, his, he really is a, uh, well, a professor through and through, right? Uh, how he puts the fight aside because he wants to see the observation. He wants empirical evidence, empirical data about what's going on with the, uh, with the uh, cure and the, uh, and the DMI patient, the DMIA individual. Uh, but also what I like about this quote as well is that it, I feel like, Digimon Seekers really emphasizes, if one stops and think about it, Seekers could be kind of a, a scary story because this portion, this passage really emphasizes that right now, Postmon and Leon, well, the consciousness are becoming together. I like this part specifically. Uh, let me see. Doo -doo -doo. Uh, um, his ego, Leon's ego, is trying to restore his sense of self. 
he's actively trying to separate from Postmon. Fascinating. So yeah, I'm curious about Postmon if he's maybe like a, a little head inside of his own body, uh, which would be kind of weird because it seems like Leon is taking control of Postmon's body. Uh, so then with Postmon, is he still present? Maybe again, like a little voice in the side, kind of like with Iron Man and his AI. Uh, when one uh, watches those movies, uh, those close-up shots of Iron Man, the suit, who's inside the suit? Tony Stark, and Tony Stark also hears that AI voice. So in this instance, who's inside of Postmon? It's Leon's consciousness, but I'm curious if Postmon's consciousness is also present. It's just that we can't hear it because Leon is in control of the suit. Uh, like when the AI speaks, no one else besides where Tony Stark could hear that AI. Right, so hopefully that makes sense. Obviously, the story didn't say anything about that, but I'm hoping maybe the next part it would mention Postmon, his consciousness being present. If not, I do feel bad, a bit bad about Postmon. <laughs> that would suck having your body and being aware, but not being able to control your own body. Right, it's very uh, like The Last of Us and the clickers, the parasites, and very Warhammer Servitor <laughs> of the Flood from Halo and so forth. But, anyways. Uh, I just really like that because again, if one stops to think about it, Seekers could be very much a a, a, a dark and a dark story, one that leans a little bit more to cosmic horror that Digimon typically does. Um, but I know that's just my own personal interpretation, and we'll, and also because the way again in the past how the tests with Saya was uh, described, how the injuries are described. Oh, and by the way. A uh, quick tangent, but I also forgot to mention in the previous part. I love how the injury for Teronomon was described, leaking noise and static. Again, uh, for me, I, I did imagine a very crude and dirty image that was painful for poor Teronomon. And I do like how uh, Teronomon still hasn't fully recovered from that. Um, but yeah, moving forward. And the hacker judge, page, Paragon of Justice, would side with the code cracker. Is that what you mean to tell me? Professor Rudgesy said, appealing directly to Leon. I cannot, I cannot abide code crackers, Leon replied hesitantly. Quite right. The side effects of the medicine must have confused you. You've only just recovered from being DMIA. After all, there must have been an error, Professor Rudgesy began, eager to win Leon over. My vital signs are normal, Leon replied, stopping the professor mid-sentence. What I truly cannot abide is the, is the, what I truly cannot abide is the irrational loss of life in the digital world. What I cannot abide as a creature, human, or Digimon playing God with lives to which they can to which they have no claim. True justice lies in my heart. I have the strength of my convictions and the sense of justice instilled me as a hacker. Tells me that you, Professor Rujinji, are the enemy. Kuchimon drew a lightning streak blade and pointed it at the professor. Professor Rujinji crossed the one line Leon had. Professor Rujinji crossed the one line Leon had. He dared to meddle with Digimon's lives. You know how this ends, Leon Alexander. You lose everything. So be it. Justice demands it. So I would argue that if we were going to talk about stubbornness, who's the most stubborn character within the story? I feel like most of us would probably say that it's Leon. I think I just I think I did talk about this before actually <laughs> in chapter two about Leon's stubbornness and what that could possibly mean. Um, but I love how with this part we're getting a different perspective about Leon that although he may seem stubborn superficially. Uh, he has his ideals and his mindsets. He's not stuck in that. When he encounters evidence that allows him to draw a new conclusion, he will allow himself to do so, even if it may seem a bit paradoxical, even though it may seem counterintuitive. Because as even the professor points out, Leon doesn't like cr uh, code crackers. Yet he's siding with Eiji, a code cracker, who's also associated with the Sons of Chaos, code crackers, a team of code crackers, right? 
Yet despite that, Leon's going to side with these code crackers, these group of people that he would typically not side with. Why? Well, because the professor is doing that one thing that Leon can't get over and messing with other people's lives. And more specifically, as the story points out, that one line is, uh, let me read it verbatim. Um, the one line Leon had, he dared to meddle with Digimon's lives. Right? Um, so I, I really like that description or this passage about Leon because again uh, superficially one could say oh, I'm not really enjoying Leon's characterization because he's too stubborn for my liking yet we're seeing that um, he can't be stubborn but he's also willing to change perspective when needed and what I would also like about this is despite Leon coming back from his DMIA the way his post mom was able to evolve Shinka assuming that was a hiccup all the way to Kurusuki Mon out of the way that Leon is still himself, he hasn't diminished or lost his, it lost his sense of identity. He still knows his own ideologies and how he wants to move forward. Before this, I didn't read it, but I love how it looked like Leon was going to side with the professor. And I was thinking to myself, oh no, we're probably going to have to waste a little bit of time uh, with the writing to, to make Leon switch over. But I love how he tricked us. Uh, Leon attacks, not EG, but attacks Dorogomon. And that was quite unfortunate, though, because it has an impact on both Dorogomon and also Koski. Uh, but I did love how Leon was able to trick him. And the explanation was that Leon essentially hoard almost everything he knows. He's aware and knows uh, that EG is the one that came looking for him, while the professor is the opposite. So moving forward, I'm right here with you, Leon, EG said. At last, they were fighting side by side. I see you managed to digivolve Logomon to their mega form. Also, we could come and find you in the digital world, which... I owe you an apology. It's my fault you went DMIA in the first place. I'm glad, Leon said with a sigh. Oh, excuse me. I'm glad, <laughs> Leon said with a sigh. You are? It's simple, really. Now that I see you here in Funeral uh, Logomont's mega form, I know I can put my trust in you more than the professor. EG chose to live and grow alongside Logomont, forming a natural bond. Professor Rujinji, on the other hand, commandeered Dorogomont by force. He hadn't put in the work. And then right below this is a cool, I really like this picture of Kuchikimon with his sword standing right next to Funeral Logomon. And in front of Kuchikimon, or more like to the side of Kuchikimon is Leon in this cool little pose like on the side. He's like off to his side. And about EG, uh, he's in a cool pose as well, but more like facing forward, uh, standing uh, right in front of Funeral Logomon. It's a really cool picture. <laughs> I like it. Uh, anywho, going back to the passage, uh, I love how, again, <laughs> Uh, Leon's basically emphasizing, uh, emphasizing what I've been saying uh, in almost all the parts. How I love when Digimon emphasizes the relationship between the human and their digital partner. And why is Leon telling EG, I know I can believe and trust in you? Well, because you formed this bond with your Digimon and that's proof enough for me. And I have to say, Leon, I think you and I are on the same page about that. We have the same mindset. <laughs> so <laughs> I like how... Uh, Leon essentially stating right here that since the professor cheated, he could have easily had his own digital partner. You know, that's very much true. He didn't have to give uh, E.G., Yolin, and um, Koski these prototype Digimon. Uh, the professor only did so because he was, for lack of a better word, not compatible, right? Um, he wasn't 100% compatible with these Digimon, thus he was trying to find people that he could use who were compatible. For all we know, maybe the professor was compatible, it just wasn't efficient compatibility. Uh, it wouldn't gone to the, uh, he wouldn't give enough progress in the way that he wanted, because it really seems like the professor wanted to get to the source domain. 
So if you have the option of being efficient versus just being natural, he's going to choose efficiency. And I like how for Leon, uh, that's a sign that I cannot trust you. I'm going to put my trust instead in the individuals who know what trust is, that in order to form a relationship, you need to work with those group of people with sincere reasons and being upfront and thus growing and maturing that relationship. It's actually quite sad because now I'm starting to realize that um, the professor essentially was just using other people in his life. It makes me wonder when that started. Hopefully it didn't start until after Saya. I like to believe that he was sincere when he was working with the uh, Tartarus group, when it was a project main uh, with, with Saya, uh, Yolene, and Koski. Um, but a short quote, but I really like that quote. That it was really awesome. And I wholly agree uh, wholeheartedly with, uh, with uh, Leon's mindset. So moving on, this is a quick one because it's meant as a quick reminder for myself. Dorogoman rose to their feet, arm limp at the side, static and noise spilling from their wounds. I wanted to read that line as a quick reminder for myself for the Tyrannomon, but I already mentioned the Tyrannomon. So again, I like how it was described, how it was leading noise and static and the Tyrannomon was still, uh, when they say favoring as the diction that was used, that means they were clutching it or holding it. I think that's really cool because it really emphasizes the, uh, well, they were going to fight and they got injured. And battles and fights, uh, they're not pretty things to look at sometimes. I hope I don't sound edgy, <laughs> but hopefully one understands what I mean by that, right? I just uh, I like how the story is still emphasizing that Dorogonban rolls to their feet and they're still injured. Um, their poor arm is limp at their side. I couldn't imagine how Koski's feeling because they are still mind-linked. And that's another factor, right, that Eiji's probably, or Leon's keeping in mind. The fact that when one is mind-linked, they share their emotions, and that's something that the professor just... Circumcised. No, sorry, not circumcised. What's the word? Um, so he basically cut around it. I forgot that circumcised. He cut around it. He he didn't go through it the way he's supposed to. He made the choices to cut through it. Hopefully that makes sense. Pardon me, everyone. Pardon that Freudian slip. I suppose is it even that? Is it is that even a Freudian slip? It wasn't sexualized, right? It was just. Something associated with the male anatomical part. Anyways, moving forward. Professor Iji said, staring directly into the old man's eyes, there's one big reason he lost my trust. He couldn't help but notice Professor's video feed was even fuzzier than before. And I don't suppose I can ask what that is. You aren't even here right now. But of course I am. Look, I'm here before you. Except you're not. You're mind-linked to any of the Digimon here. You're not mind-linked to any of the Digimon here. You're safe and sound in the DDL labs because you're a coward who won't risk his life for the digital world. Well, you see, even with the SOC's firepower, there was less than a 50% chance that, the, uh, that they would reach, excuse me, uh, even with the SOC's firepower, there was less than a 50% chance that they would reach the gateway and successfully crack it, let alone get past the world night. Now, I love boredom, but I'm not the type to risk my life for a cheap thrill. I get it. Not worth it. When you think about it, uh, I get it. Not worth it. When you think about it. However, E.G. began, no one who seeks safety and comfort can win out here, Professor Ruzenji. Leon said in a real moment of direct defiance. Well, I never thought I'd be lectured by my own students. Perhaps I lost my edge. Yeah, could be, Ichi said with a shrug. I love how this perf this really goes along with the, not the previous quote, but the one before that, when Leon makes his own statement. Essentially, I would argue, Ichi may not be saying it uh, explicitly, but he's essentially agreeing with Leon. That the reason why, for Leon, why can he work with Ichi? It's because uh, Ichi's shown the work and forming his bond with Logomon. And for E.G., why did he lose his respect for the professor? Uh, because the professor is not willing to 
put his life at risk for something that he believes in. He's more willing to use other people. Uh, he's only willing to engage with something when either it's done or, as it's stated right here, more than 50% chance, probably more around the 70% chance. If there's a 70% chance or more, maybe the professor would be more willing to uh, personally engage. And I love how to help emphasize how Leon and E.G. are on the same page, uh, Leon finishes E.G.'s sentence. Uh, I get it, not worth it. When you think about it, however, E.G. began, no one who seeks safety and comfort can win out here, Professor Regency, <laughs> Professor Ruzenji, Louis Lalian said, and a real moment of direct defiance. Let me read that without just the dialogue. I get it, not worth it. When you think about it, however, no one who seeks safety and comfort can win out here, Professor Ruzenji. I love how it makes grammatical sense when it's just put together. And again, I wonder if the writers did that on purpose to really emphasize uh, that Leon and E.G., right now they are on the same uh page the same mindset and thus why well we know i haven't read the last part yet um as i said in the last part i'm going to wait until the next week to finish it but i'm more than likely going to deduce that they're going to win they being leon and eg and why are they going to win um because of the way that they're thinking they put in the work they trust their digimon and they're going to move forward from there continuing forward um, excuse me. He was on his own journey and he wasn't about to give up now. He fought long and hard, honing his wits in the digital world as he gained power and influence in the real world. Now he aimed to build them both and build a life in which he was the king. I'm a busy man. I have no time to spare for anything beyond my research. I will make the awesome power of the source domain mine here and now, he continued. Behind him, Dorogoromon wrapped and contorted in awful new ways. Koski! Yolin shrieked. As she watched him bend over backward, backward and drop to the ground, his eyes flew open, wild and wide, and he began convulsing. A moment later, he was still having lost consciousness. Yolene called out his name to no avail. There was only one thing that could cause such violent reactions. What's Ruzuji doing to the Digicore? Dorogoromon's, Dorogoromon's body began to stretch and swell, their metal, uh, their metal straining and screeching as they tried to contain the burgeoning mass beneath. It looked as if something within Dorogoromon was trying to claw the way out. The cells divided at such an absurd pace that the armor could no longer hold. Larger pieces began to crack while others were flung from their body entirely. Copious amounts of data streamed into Dorogomon from the massive tree on the ceiling, on the ceiling of the source domain. Dorogomon is downloading data directly from the source to, uh, from the source, excuse me. Dorogomon is downloading data directly from the source Digimon. Not even a mega level D uh, Digimon can handle that much. The professor's gonna kill them if he keeps this up. I think that might be a typo. Let me read that with the, a slight edit. Dorogoromon is downloading data directly from the source domain. Not even a mega level Digimon can handle that much. The professor's gonna kill them if he keeps this up. So the comment I made earlier about the whole cosmic horror, uh, uh, this is also a passage that makes me, uh, why. Uh, uh, this is another passage is, uh, is the reason why I said that to begin with earlier when I made that cosmic horror comment. Um, comments because when I was reading this I was really imagining because uh, I read a lot of horror I guess too much of it maybe I also watch it <laughs> but when it was when the body was me described as distorting and everything like that for me it seemed really painful and really horrible and the fact that Koski goes unconscious from feeling that pain it's too much for him uh, it, it must be a thing to witness and something else to feel uh, and so I really did appreciate that even if it is a little bit uh, not scary, but a little bit dark, right? And I also like how the source, the, the source domain, how Dora Goldman is downloading that information. Uh, the way it's described, let me see it. Um, 
Uh, Copious amounts of data stream into Dorogomon from the massive tree on the ceiling. It just reminds me of like maybe like a uh, black ooze, not maybe, I'm sorry, like black ooze or black oil, since some other things, properties that I've read and watched, and how it slowly consumes you. Uh, it's just the way it's described, it's really creepy and for me, really cool, and I really appreciate that. Um, and I think it's awesome how they're obviously they're going to digivolve, right? But the way this digivolution is being described, it's nothing that I could think of from Digimon, uh, from the other properties, the other series. Um, this really does feel like a unnatural way to digivolve. And I think uh, that segues really well into the last passage. But before, uh, the last thing, of course, is uh, Yolene screaming out Koski. I just appreciate how she doesn't have hard feelings towards Koski. And they're not mad at one another. They're able to work together, even if, unfortunately, um, they're losing, as Koski stated, right? Right now, they're, them personally are losing because they lost Saya. Um, but she still cares about Koski. So now again, as a good segue to the last line, or the last passage, excuse me, this is now a matter of life and death. All digivolutions in the digital world were, to one extent or another, everything was a fight for survival in the digital world. This is bad, Fernando Logomon. Grr, let's go, Koichimon, Fernando Logomon barked. E.G. Leon and the partner Digimon for the sense of dread will up, be, uh, will up within them. They had to act. They charged toward the horrific new foe, ready to strike before it could farm. Life was fragile, even for Digimon. Death was all too common in the digital world. For those who did not wish to die, however, there was another option. They could feed on the death of other Digimon and a bid to extend their own lives, and in so doing, open up another phase of Digivolution, Death X Evolution. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this might be the first new evolution within the main property. I think the, I know the X Evolution comes from the V-Pets, the X Digimon, um, but I don't think the X Digimon were ever present in the Digimon anime itself. Um, and then this new evolution, Death X Evolution, I'm not gonna lie, that really caught my eye. And I'm really having to show restraint because I do want to read that last part. But I know if I do so, I'm just gonna have to wait two weeks for that epilogue. I'd rather wait one week, read part 12, and then wait one week for that epilogue. But Death X Evolution, I know some of you have a lot of experience with Digimon, so feel free to uh, offer an explanation about what that is, but I'm definitely going to look into it. And I think it sounds chilling the way it's described. So essentially, the reason why Dorogoromon is his body is, is contorting and changing is because he is evolving. But through this other, I know I previously, previously I said unnatural. Um, do I want to stick with that word? For those who did not wish to die, there was another option. They could feed on the death of other Digimon and a bid to extend their own lives. I'm going to stick with that word unnatural because... When people need to sustain themselves, they don't do cannibalism. I know in the natural world or the nature world, uh, cannibalism could be a bit more common. It's a lot more common in the, than in the human world. But um, the way that Secrets has set up the digital world to be like the human world in terms of social conventions and things like that, how Digimon are sentient, they're sapient, they have personalities, I would argue that it would be weird for Digimon to cannibalize one another. Uh, I know in Digimon Tamers, they were absorbing one another, but absorbing, I would argue, is different than feeding. Uh, again, maybe if I could look at the original diction, but what's being used here is they could feed on the death of other Digimon in a bit to extend their own lives. I guess one could argue that absorbing data is a form of feeding as well, but in Digimon Tamers, I always felt like when they were absorbing that data, they weren't feeding to sustain themselves. They were absorbing that data to get stronger. Uh, to become more powerful. And again, I would argue that's a difference. Uh, sus sus sustaining oneself is different from becoming more powerful. 
to sustain oneself, that's like the basic element, so one doesn't die, so one doesn't perish, versus to make oneself more powerful, well, if you don't do that action, one is not going to die, right? They'll be perfectly okay, it's just that they haven't grown, uh, they're not more powerful. Hopefully that makes sense what I'm trying to explain. So this whole death x evolution, I am very much intrigued by it. Um, and I'm looking forward to what's going, what this means for poor Doraguman and what this also means for Koski. I am hoping that by the end of the story that no one else perishes. Well, I'll be frank with everyone. My dark edgy side, if someone does pass away, I'll be like, yes, it's very awesome. Very mature st story for Digimon, right? But if uh, no one passes away, I'll be completely happy with that because I feel like Koski suffered enough. The poor guy. Uh, I feel like Yolene suffered enough. Uh, she was just trying to do her duty as the DG police captain. And then EG and Leon, uh, where they're doing their best to work together. And I, I would argue, yeah, it's true. EG and Leon could lose a little bit more. I don't think they need to because, I mean, EG uh, already went through the guilt of having lost his friend and having caused someone to go DMIA. And then Leon, he really went DMIA, right? So why further punish them? So I am looking forward to what's going to happen in part 12. I'm looking forward also to the epilogue, which again should be coming out in the first week of March. Uh, my question for everyone is, uh, what do you think? Uh, think sorry, what do you think this Death X evolution is? Um, for me, I, I do believe it's my first time encountering it, so I am looking forward to getting more data or more data, more information about it. But just the way that it's described, I wonder who Dora Goldman is going to digivolve into. If it's going to be a new digital form, I'm about to look into Doraemon and see his full evolution line. But I don't recall ever seeing anything malicious or like a bad version of his line but i might be wrong about that again most of my knowledge comes from the anime um i never really utilized the v pets and everything like that or the card game as well <clears throat> but yeah, thank you so much for watching slash listening i really do appreciate it i hope everyone has a prodigious day and uh, i'll look forward to discussing part 12 with everyone next week and as always part of my hair everyone usually i put a uh, substance into it but when i don't have anything planned i just let it run on natural <laughs> so again thank you for so much for watching that's listening have a prodigious day